Hello and welcome to What Our Point Weekly, where we bring together a variety of perspectives to discuss the biz stories of the week and decide what our point, or if in fact there are no point at all. Please, if you like what you hear, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Today it is Wednesday, September 15th. I have everyone with me. Hello. 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 Nick, you're on mute. <laughs> Nick is not really Howdy. functional right now. Nick, how are you doing? Good. Um, I've tired? Been sleeping. Maybe tired? Yeah. Yeah. I've been sleeping in three hour to two, two to three hour intervals. Didn't you just go through like, you know, all these types of covert military trainings that prepare you for torture? So shouldn't that be like a good, or do you think you should be the instructor for the military on how to like sleep deprive mm. people and give well, our services like a top notch education? What do you think would be better? There's something called SEER school. It's like survival, evasion, rescue, I forgot what it stands for, but they make you like eat bugs and stuff. Um, I don't know. This is different. Like, I, this is different. This is like, it could happen any moment where she just like wakes up and I have to change a diaper. But like Ellie has it worse than I do. She feeds her. That is a big part of keeping a kid alive. Yeah, but the kid is just like relentless, just like constant. Is she a good napper or no? Do you think that she got her relentlessness from her father, who can be relentless about certain topics? <laughs> um, like, Afghan lives matter. Oh, man, I think we've got three, all three of y'all are just relentless. I can't even imagine being married to any of you three <laughs> relentless, fucking pedant, pedantic. Oh, wait, I was also told by one of your wives that listens to this that I should, we should do a better job of introducing listeners because most people that listen to this kind of already know us but we should at some point try to extend our i mean nick touts the Wait, fact that we have my wife millions, texted you this how did my so, wife get in touch with you about this uh-oh is there something uh, going on there like what's uh i think we should do that next week more but my brief rundown is we know each other from college nick is a just like hawk he's just a, a hawkish sort of uh Neoconservative, very nice guy, very bumbly and nice. He's sort of the core of the show, I would say, if you haven't. No. Ben is just a well-known know-it-all, very smart guy from a, a family of, of somewhat know-it-alls, but he's but he knows a lot about soccer and he's just knows everything about what what was your I always forget, was it a, is it biochemistry is your PhD or what was the final actual uh it's in microbiology, immunology, and infection. Or sorry, inflammation, Jesus, not infection. <laughs> There you go. And he doesn't even know his own Nailed resume. It. And then Dan, uh, we all know that Dan is a, our political democratic operative who also used to work in the finance world. But I feel like if I say too much about Dan, I might get the red dot on me from somewhere, if you know what I mean. So uh, I'm just going to leave that mum for now. And then me, your glorious host is just, I'm unemployed actually. So back <laughs> to the... Wait, 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 wait. What's introduced Seth to the the world like a debut southern bell debutante party seth is a man of of literature man of charm a francophile a lover passionate lover <laughs> a pole vaulter um okay that's a good and start as, as some people have said to me wow seth is relentless so i think that you are the <laughs> relentless man in chief and so that's why we're all friends i guess even though but, each of us are oppressively relentless. Too. Okay, so that's enough of that. And <laughs> and next week, maybe we'll do, I'll, I'll think of an easy way to just introduce, be like, and blank. And so everyone then knows who it is. We Like Nick can be our, you can, you can think of your own title. Okay, so wait, Dan, explain to us 
what happened in the recall election. It seemed like a bunch of fluff for nothing. And it seemed like the Democrats just all coalesced around and they, they got their own independent little um, coalitions to just decide to vote no on the recall. And so everything was for nothing. Well, I think there was probably two things. One is that there was a huge polling miss. And I think that's going to become just more and more part of our nature where the polls had Newsom getting maybe 52, 53% of the vote to stay in office and he got 62 or three. So huge polling miss. It just happened to be in the direction that the polls were leaning. So it doesn't seem as bad, but kind of makes it scary. Again, polling not doing well in the 21st century. Two, Trumpism is alive and well in that there was a like very moderate former mayor of San Diego running as a Republican who could have had a chance to win if the Republican Party had gotten behind him, but they went behind the conservative talk radio host who was, you know, dabbling in lunacy. And he got 43% of the vote. So I think it basically means if you're a Republican, you're on Team Trump and signing up for the crazies. And that doesn't really work in a blue state. And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the midterms, where I think a lot of the candidates will be Trumpy wannabes, and they just don't have Trumpism. Like, only Trump can be Trump, and the wannabes just don't quite work, especially in blue states. Got it. And so do you think that, uh, when does he up for re-election? Newsom's up in 2022. So. Okay. So he'll probably lose or no? No, I don't think he'll lose. I think this was kind of the, this was the big test. Oh, so he'll be stronger now. now. He's stronger now, I think, yeah. Yeah. They're not going to primary him, right? It's in California. It's a top two. So a Democrat could run against him and then they could be on like the general election ballot together. But I think after this, no, I think he's going to he started being more aggressive the last couple, like less, say, six weeks on COVID stuff, because I think he thought that was we need to like get behind beyond COVID. And so he was going to be more aggressive to try to force that issue. And if anything, this probably emboldens him and the Biden administration to say, the winning issue is dealing with COVID. There's 20% of the population that doesn't want you to deal with COVID and wants it to just wants to wish it away. But actually, leadership on COVID will increase your numbers. So I did find it very, very amusing. Like I saw, um, like a breakdown of California by region, and the perfect two things that correlate is COVID rate and voting yes on the recall. It's just very, very funny. Right. That areas with. More COVID voted yes. Yeah. And people yeah, not taking it. Yeah. Like on a perfect one to one ratio, basically. Right. And the people taking it seriously. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I think that's the, you know, there'll be some, I think this will have a big role in the midterms because you have some of the red state governors or purple state governors coming out and being like, nothing else we can do, opening up. And people don't, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see, like for DeSantis and co how that plays out. Brian Kemp and DeSantis, probably a very tough re election races. All right. Let's pivot to Nick. What's your uh, current Afghanistan status? How, how have you felt about everything that's been happening recently? The Biden administration is trying to play like, we got those last 200 people out. Things are actually better than it seems. Uh, no. Um, I think we should say Afghanistan, as a lot of people predicted, is now out of the national news. The new news is that the, chief joint, the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff called China while Trump yeah. was the president and said, hey... Just FYI, Trump's not really in charge of the military, yeah, which well, I think I, is another indictment of the military arrogance that led us to the debacle. If you didn't notice, I'm trying to instigate both okay, of you. Okay, so, so you there's should. several several things I'd like to talk about, General Milley. I'm not going to comment on what he did or did not do regarding the. General. Seems like he kind of admitted it today. He, was very. He issued he issued a routine phone. He issued he called the Chinese 
their equivalent of the Joint Chiefs of Staff during the transition period. I am not sure what was discussed. I would like to take a Bob Woodward for what he writes with a grain of salt. I He's encourage our listeners. pretty on point, right? If we are on point, Bob Woodward would be on point. I think Bob Woodward is a liar, a certified liar. Um, and and he? he could be right in this case. He could be right that General Milley did this. Um, and that is troubling. As you know, you could look at what Colonel Vinman has tweeted or, or whatever. Um, but again, I mean, it's hearsay because Bob Woodward is a notorious liar. And I, I would point to Bob Woodward's alleged deathbed interview with former CIA director Bill Casey, who was in a coma. This was in the 80s. Bill Casey was in a coma. And Bob Woodward allegedly had like a heart to heart CIA family jewels confession discussion with Bill Casey, despite the fact that Bill Casey's wife has certified that he never awoke from his coma. He had a massive stroke and that it was impossible. Well, if to, I would say if the only argument against Bob Woodward is something from the 80s, he's written eight books since yeah, then. But he has a track record. Of damning on the administrations, both Democrat he and Republican. has a track record. I don't know. He did it pretty good. Lies. What's the Nixon book? All the President's Men? That one was pretty good. Both of um, your strategy is always just to impugn the media. That's both of your strategies. No, it's not my... Yeah, I said Bob Woodward did well, so I think I'm supporting I mean, the so, journalism that gets to the facts. You know, but, oh, okay, so if you're gonna, let's, take, let's take his word at face value. He also said that every single military national security advisor in the Biden administration advised against Biden withdrawing quickly that's, that's, and unilaterally sure from Afghanistan. Right? I'm sure that's true. And the president said, I am elected with a mandate from the people. Civilian leadership means I need to lead and we are leaving. And yeah. that was the right call. I think. And now his approval rating right. is 41 percent. It dropped by another I, Again, points. I think that is a testament to Biden's strength saying, and, and I will now, do something that might make to the me unpopular. General Barrier, the head of the Defense do. Intelligence Agency, it'll take one, two years before Al Qaeda comes back, even stronger than it was pre 9 11. So, Nicholas, that would be the case if we were in Afghanistan for two and, weeks, and given, two days, two decades, given, 200 years. Given our track record on over the horizon capabilities and the unfortunate drone strike uh, against an alleged ISIS-K target in Afghanistan, which killed a U.S.-supported aid worker and his family, I have no confidence in our quote-unquote over-the-horizon capabilities to defend the nation against an al-Qaeda right. attack. And so I, I think, think so, I think, yeah, I think we're on the same page. We should cut the military budget because our efforts are strategy useless. And his campaign slogan, which is build back better. The thing is, he did not build back U.S. security better. He built back al-Qaeda the Haqqani network and the Taliban uh, and, a, and ISIS-K's thank you, capabilities much better than they were prior to uh, his administration taking office. Okay. Of the message was build back America. Make Al-Qaeda great again. So wait, I guess going to build back better, is that even going to happen in uh, America? What's the current status of this dual track legislation? Phase one of the infrastructure bill passed. Phase two is getting the budget negotiations together with the senators, and they have to come to some agreement. I think Mitch McConnell's trying to play an intense hand, and I think it might backfire on him. I think he's going to win, man. Wait, he's going to win at the last spe- second. Speaking of infrastructure, speaking of infrastructure uh, I have a question to Dan. Now, when the next terrorist attack on U.S. soil occurs, okay, what, what is the response? Why? I have a question. Do you think it's bad that you root for terrorist attacks to occur? I'm not rooting. I'm, I, quite honestly, I'm depressed about this because i think that what biden's decision to withdraw unilaterally and impose a troop cap which created the havoc at the evacuation 
I think will inevitably cause a terrorist attack on U.S. soil. And it, it breaks my heart because we lost 2,600 U.S. forces in Afghanistan, allied partner troops, and 66,000 Afghan National Army troops to fight these people. And I, Nicholas, I, I think that line is not so direct. Nick, the I think line that, between those two assumptions is not so direct, right, I would exactly. say. And I think a bigger thing is that one in 500 Americans have died of COVID, and we need to focus on America. We can multitask. Um, actually, I don't think that is proven to be true. We tried to multitask with Afghanistan and Iraq, and how did that turn out? Okay, what else? What else should we talk about? Nick, rant about something else. Um, are you the decline of the United States in the free world? Are you? Oh wait, Nick, I, I thought that democracy like is under attack. I have a new book that I was gifted for my birthday. Was that was last weekend? And I think that for the readers, or for the readers, for the listeners, it's after the fall. Being American in the world we've made by uh, noted foreign policy advisor Ben Rhodes. Uh, Writing a book about uh, what oh, it Lord, means. Lord, I'm sure Nick is, really likes Ben Rhodes. And He's his I think this is a good quote from one of my other favorite foreign policy writers, Samantha Power. Um, well, this is the ironic thing: is Samantha Power funny. wrote a book about the responsibility to protect, and she oversaw. She did absolutely nothing when 500,000 Syrians were killed. So, I don't understand how. I mean, I, I I don't think they're in alignment. I think Samantha Power has been a very strong advocate for liberal institutionalism and the and the support of human rights abroad and fighting for those human rights. And I think Ben Rhodes is opposed to any type of U.S. foreign intervention abroad and supports withdrawing U.S. power from abroad and retreating back to the United States and essentially allowing authoritarian regimes to fill the vacuum. So I think they're surprisingly don't align on foreign policy. I'm just surprised she endorsed his book. I think his reputation, I've never met the man, but I think his reputation is, is being an arrogant SOB and I think there's a New York Times profile about that as well. He's the architect of the failed Iran nuclear agreement um, and many other foreign policy failures. And I'll, I'd like to point out that eight, Obama was in power for eight years. And it's sort of on him at least to have a, at least attempted to solve Afghanistan and failed. he failed miserably because he didn't listen to his military advisors. I think if you ask President Obama what his greatest regret uh, being president, probably you would say two. One, he didn't close Guantanamo, and two, he didn't get out of Afghanistan. And I bet that when he said, Joe, I had eight years, here's the things I've reflected on the last four that I should have done, I think that they probably had that conversation. And Biden mm -hmm. said, I agree, you can't let the military dictate your actions. Civilian need to lead the military. That is I, what I, our system took, was set it up It took to do. a lot of courage on the part of Obama and Biden to assist, and Trump for that matter, to help the Taliban take power in Afghanistan. And I think the ultimate okay. victims of this are the women of Afghanistan who are being beaten and executed. And I think on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, I think there's documented cases of war crimes being committed by the Taliban. And but I think Nick, I will text you we could, we could and maybe show you we could both every single that. atrocity that's going on social media yeah. Committed got, at the hands of the Taliban. Of listeners, I will make sure that you see them. I think we can both agree we don't appreciate the situation on the ground in Afghanistan and don't like it. You seem to be rejoicing of, that they took over. I disagree with that. I would say America needs to focus on itself right now. We're very. Sick. I just don't, Nick. I get your point, but the both of y'all keep going back and forth in administration to administration. Like if, like think about it, if you lived in another country. You would think like, okay, the Americans are just nitpicking about bullshit. Where like 
we have a larger issue. I'm not saying that like Biden or Obama or this person was right, but when you go back far enough, sure, Obama should have done more about it. But then you go back before, like Bush maybe should have not have got us in there in the first place. But then immediately, like you have Trump striking a deal with the Taliban that you need to get out by a certain date. And so then in 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 like just just like uh, for the integrity of our political diplomacy, don't you have to at some level at least commit to getting out? I don't know as much about all of this as you do. I think Biden messed it up. I think he should have tried to like finagle the date further back. But I also think he was bound by that commitment to some level on and in, in one degree, he was glad to be bound by it because he agreed with it in on, in some perverse way with Trump's decision to force us to get out by striking a deal with the Taliban. And I don't think any of that was necessarily done well, but to try to say that like one side did it or another side, it seems to be a a, a fault of the entire system that needs to be rethought. And like I think that's painful to do that on a larger scale, but we there really needs to be a rethink of how we conduct our diplomacy, especially through military means first. Yeah, but th this is one example where there's no there's no diplomatic solution. There's just never been a diplomatic solution to this. Yeah, because we started the war, Nick. We went in and um, started. We didn't start the war, if, if I recall. In Afghanistan? Yeah, we didn't start the war. How what did we, we not start the war? 9-11 I mean, wasn't done by the <laughs> Afghan, wasn't done by the Taliban. I know they harbored Osama bin Laden, but that's way too simplistic of an interpretation. That is not, that is not what the intelligence says. They... They were not harboring them. They were providing material support, providing safe haven, not providing not only safe haven, material support, financial support. Al Qaeda was providing financial support to the Taliban. They had a okay. symbiotic relationship. They are one in the same almost. I mean, look at the the bridges of the Haqqani network. Um, I mean, I, I long wars journal. There's we'll several think experts who who, we who can agree documented to, this over the past two decades. We can agree to disagree. They are one in the same. Um, how about we pivot to? Some sports for our little sports, oh, yeah. uh, okay, sports yeah. minute. Okay, fine. Um, what? Oh, we have sports minute. I think that's always a good way to end it. The uh, NFL season opened, and something that has the only thing that has gone on longer than the Afghanistan war is Tom Brady's career in the NFL. <laughs> and he was drafted. It started in 2000. He his first start was like the week we invaded Afghanistan, and now he is still playing. And he had a great Thursday night football game where. He looked like an ageless wonder. Yeah, have you seen that video of like him, the like, more his face morphing throughout the years, and then it's like you're not ugly, you're just not rich, and it's like yeah, it's true. It, honestly, like, he looks younger and maybe better now than he did when he was like 27. And I think in part, I mean, he's talked about how he his routine used to be when he was first the quarterback of the Patriots, which I think is amazing. He had a house in Boston, and he would they had. Tuesdays off in practice, they would Monday come in and review the game tape. Tuesdays they had off, and then Wednesdays they had practice. And Monday when they finished, he would drive from or have someone drive him from Massachusetts down to New York City, go out Monday night clubbing until 4 a.m., and then have someone drive him home to back to Massachusetts, and then he would like sleep the rest of the day Tuesday. And that was his like routine every week. And he was just like this New York City party boy in his mid-20s. And then at some point, he gets set up on a date with Giselle. And she was like, and that is over. You do not party anymore. You just need to do healthy things. 
So it's a kind of a crazy. So thing. Nick is about to get really sexy because he's just like a dedicated dad. Right there you go. I mean, he, let's talk about Tom Brady. Like, how does one? Is it just good genes? Like, what is it? What makes him? have this type of um no he formed it over years through hard work and dedication i'm telling you like dan like we were saying the pictures of him when he got out of college i mean sure he was talented but it wasn't like it's obvious he like uh chiseled his body out and he got a tan he's clearly done some i feel like he might have even had some work his chin looks like similar but not exactly the same wouldn't be surprised if tom's had a little bit of work done what do you think ben is he the type i think what's like really interesting is he almost did the opposite of chiseling right like his whole thing is like plyometrics and right uh soft muscle like building muscles soft uh so they're more flexible and he attributes a lot of his success to that and it's not like the most aesthetically pleasing look necessarily but he's more focused on function over form so like a lot of his workouts he's not doing heavy weights he's doing like resistance bands he's yeah doing that's a lot true of yoga and you need to do explosive things too just yeah yeah Exactly. So I think that they're, they're, you know, it's hard to say, like, at this cutting edge level, like, given the results, it's hard to say, like, draw the line between quackery and, uh, and like, what might be genuine advancements, but kind of the proof is in the pudding almost. And whether or not this works for everyone, it, it almost certainly doesn't. Genes are going to play some role and not everyone is going to have his underlying talent. But I do think that, like, he might genuinely be onto something. Especially yeah, in terms of the way that he works out, sure. But wait, yeah. take, take away your, like, scientist hat and put on your tabloid hat, though. And do you think he's gotten in some, like, aesthetic work done? Like, cosmetic work done? Oh, yeah. I think, like, if you look at his hair, there's no question. I think he definitely had hair plugs, at least. The hair is um, the one that really gives it away. But yeah. besides that... The chin, like, it's hard to say. Again, always just always like, chin. Yeah, like, I, I feel like he... Uh, he's lost a lot of weight as his career has gone on. And um, I don't know the extent. I haven't like done a deep dive analysis on his. Yes, we please deep dive, deep dive into but... the Tom Brady chin over the next week, please. Come on, man. Okay. Help also, us Milan just scored twice in like three minutes against Liverpool. So that's pretty sweet. Wow. Oh, I forgot there were games today. Dan, you have a bookshelf behind you. I do. And it has some books that I recognize, like Ron Chernow, the Hamilton. Yeah. It has and it has decision points. Yeah. I have a uh signed copy of Decision Points by uh President George W. Bush. Interesting. Uh, wow, signed. We will maybe we'll do this. The cliffhanger is I will tell the story of how I got a signed copy of President Bush's autobiography or memoir about being president at the top of our next episode because it was a ridiculous story and but we don't have time to go into it now. So cliffhanger for next week. Mm. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please tune in next week for the conclusion of Dan's story about George Bush. I hope it has something to do with his painting career. Stay safe. Talk to you later.